Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Jeff Horowitz. Jeff is a certified running and triathlon coach and a personal trainer who has run more than 170 marathons across six continents. Formerly an attorney, he quit law with the support of his family to pursue his passion for endurance sport. He's the author of Smart Marathon Training, Run Your Best Without Running Yourself Ragged. Jeff, thanks so much for being part of the show. Thanks for having me. So Jeff, you've run more than 170 marathons. How did you first become interested in running? It was really a distraction from, from grad school. I found that it was just too much stress, too much pressure. I need some kind of outlet. And it literally began with me just running around the block. Um, I was living out here in Washington, D.C., where I currently live, and just went out for a run and then just got bit by the bug. And I guess it's something about the way my brain works that I immediately just took up the challenge of the marathon. I think I needed some kind of big goal that would keep me honest and um, get me a little scared, <laughs> to be mm-hmm. truthful. And um, um, just seemed like that big mountain that had to be conquered. And once I crossed that finish line in the first marathon I ran, the Marine Corps Marathon, it just spoke to me in a way that I, I wasn't expecting, a way that has continued to speak to me over the years. So did you start out running marathons, or did you did you start with uh, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons, or how did that work? Well, I started with the marathon. That was my very first race ever. And it, it's not necessarily an approach I, I recommend to people, um, but it worked for me. As, as my mileage grew and I just got more and more comfortable, um, I found that I just really enjoyed the longer runs and I never really had a lot of speed and, and still go um, but I found that the challenge for me was in how far I can go that's where I felt you know, most comfortable pushing myself and I knew that I'd never be very fast in, in a 5k or 10k and I, I knew I could certainly cover the distance so just finishing that wasn't going to be challenging enough mm-hmm. so something about the journey of a long race from a marathon from the very beginning seemed to be the, the most important thing to me and I've, I've run a bunch of other different kinds of races since then 5k's 10k's ultra marathons 10 Milers, relays, but there's something about the marathon as as an event that really still seems so important to me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, what, just so our listeners know, what kind of times are you running these these marathons in? Um, well, I guess you could generally say I'm in the top 10% to top quarter of most of the races. I, um, my PR, nothing to brag about, is uh, 308. Um, run a bunch, you know, like around the, the 330 range these days, and maybe I'm just a little bit slower. Most mm-hmm. of them have been uh, under four hours. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to me, it, it's not so much the time. I, my feeling always is that on, on a given day, on a given course, given the weather conditions and your training, the way you feel and how everything's going, if I can give a good account of myself, really push myself when things get difficult and just not give in to the little voice in my head that tells me to quit, then I feel like I've, I've done my job. And mm-hmm. every time I do that, I feel like I've reaffirmed to myself the kind of the kind of person I am. And I think that's ultimately what it's about more than the, the time. Really mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you mentioned there that there's something really special about marathons. And I really agree with that. I think that, you know, half marathons are fun. Um, it, even some of these 15, 20 mile training runs are great. But once you get to that 20, that 26 mile point, it's it becomes a lot more difficult.
difficult, at least for me, and being able to really mentally push through some of those barriers that when you're just really feeling fatigued, uh, you know, I, I haven't really felt that fatigue in, in other races other than the marathon. Is that true for you as well? Absolutely. You know, I, I say that, you know, to me, in, a, in certain ways, a 5K is the most difficult race. I think in terms of pain per moment, probably, you know, 5K is so much more difficult. You're pushing from the very beginning. But mentally, I think, you know, the marathon is just a whole different animal. Many people have talked about how it's two races, the first 20 and then the last 60. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's true. You know, the first 20, you run on your conditioning and, and the last six, you know, you run on your heart. It was um, the great Czech uh, Olympic marathon runner, Emil Zatopek, who at the starting line supposedly said, you know, men, today we die a little. And I think, you know, metaphorically, there's something in that, that you really give up yourself. And it just, uh, it teaches you something about your own perseverance, hopefully not just in, in running, but in life, the ability to stick with it, I think makes it a really unique kind of event. Mm-hmm. You know, your book is, is called Smart Marathon Training, Run Your Best Without Running Yourself Ragged. What did you want to get across by putting in that subtitle, Run Your Best Without Running Yourself Ragged? Can you talk more about that? Sure. There's a lot of discussion about what the best marathon training plan is. And quite typically, the joke goes, you put two marathon coaches, two running coaches in a room, and they'll come out with three training plans. And there's a lot of different approaches you could take, a lot of different things you could do. And so many plans focus around the idea of doing high mileage. And you hear stories about elite runners running eight miles a week, 100 miles a week, 120 miles a week, 140 miles a week. And I've got nothing particularly against doing high mileage if you can tolerate it. But to the extent that I've been able to dabble with that and, and try and incorporate that into my own training, I found that time and again, I just can't seem to handle it. My body breaks down. And the research is showing more and more that all the benefits of, of running seem to top out for most people somewhere around 35 miles a week or so. And mm. that after that, the incidence of injury just starts to skyrocket. And so for those of us who find that we simply can't tolerate high mileage, that we start to break down, that we run ragged, that we need to take a little bit of a different approach. So that's that's one thing I meant by that. And the other part, too, is that, you know, as much as I love running, I've recognized over the years for myself, and I think for a lot of other athletes, that if all I do is run, I become a better runner in certain ways, but then I leave gaps in my fitness, which ultimately come back to, to bite me. Mm-hmm. So, for example, as I talk about in, in the book, so many injuries can be traced to a lack of core fitness, a lack of lateral stability that causes pressure on different parts of the body that support running but aren't actually directly strengthened by running. So if you don't do other kind of things in addition to the running to strengthen your body against these different kind of forces that, that occur during running, then you leave yourself open to injury. And if you go to uh, an orthopedic uh, surgeon or you go to a sports therapist and talk to them about the patients they see, you see this time and again that the injuries they treat are caused by insufficient strength in different muscle groups. So one of the things I do in, in smart marathon training is figure out and explain how to approach that, how to how to close those gaps and lead yourself stronger to run the miles that you do want to run. Mm, okay. Yeah, on your website here, it says that you add dynamic strength and cross-training to build overall fitness. What kind of cross-training and strength training are you advocating? Well, that's a great question. Uh, for cross-training, and, and first I want to clarify what I, I mean by that. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of confusion about what that means. A lot of people throw a lot of different kind of movements under the title cross-training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yoga, different kinds of Pilates classes, that gets tossed in. And, and those kind of, of classes are, are great. And that kind of work does a lot of really good stuff to Pilates and core strength. But by, core, by cross-training, I specifically mean kinds of aerobic training other than running that build your, your cardiovascular fitness. So, 
while there might be strengthening movements and stretching movements that are good types of exercise routines to add to running, that's not cross-training. With cross-training, what I want to do is, is do some other kind of movements that will supplement running. So avoid the pounding, but build the engine, as we like to say, your cardiovascular fitness. Some of the movements really mirror running into a really good, a really good substitute for running. So for example, being on the elliptical trainer, if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. is very similar to the running motion. The problem with that is there's a problem is that it's a substitute in a way, right? which means that it can replace the running, but then it doesn't work on other muscles that running doesn't. So it leaves that same problem that running does, which is you still have gaps in your fitness. So one of the cross training modes that I really like to advocate is cycling, whether it's spinning indoors or going out on a bike outdoors. You're working, for the most part, different muscles than you use in running. And that's one of the ways to close that gap by creating balanced strength. So mm. other muscles, for example, the quadriceps on your leg are activated more. Um, and so that will be there to help you as a runner. And since running is mostly using the muscles on the back of your body, your glutes, your hamstrings, as you paw the ground and push your body forward, um, a lack of strength in your quadriceps in the muscle of the front of your leg leaves runners more susceptible to patellotendinitis, that is, runner's knee. And cycling will help prevent that. So in addition to providing a non-impact way to build your cardiovascular engine, it also closes that strength gap and reduces the risk of injury. So cycling is a big frustrating mode for me. Um, okay. And then briefly also mentioned about strength training. Um, I believe in certain targeted types of movements that build core strength. And again, with definitions, the core being anything from that mid-thigh to your rib cage, front and back, all around your body, the real foundation of your strength, you know, the, uh, st- the stable base from which all movement, the movement of your arms and legs can come from. And mm-hmm. for runners, your hip strength, um, especially your glute medius, the outer hip, that's so important. You see a lot of runners with weak uh, glute medius muscles who have a nice hip sway. <laughs> it might look pretty. It might look interesting seeing the hip sway left to right. Um, but that indicates a collapsing outward of the muscles, which could strain on the outside of the body. So the kind of movements I recommend are, are body weight movements involving lateral movement to build those muscles, um, dumbbell movements, if you have said dumbbells at home, involving swinging dumbbells um, in different ways. Not, not quite kettlebells, but uh, for people who are familiar with that kind of training, a little bit like that, but kind of um, uh, functional type movements that involve a lot of different muscle groups working together. Um, and in this way, it differs from regular strength training where you might think of the typical scenario, bench pressing, and deadlifts, all these heavy weight exercises. We're not interested in that. We're interested in finding out ways in which your body could move together, you know, getting all these different muscle groups to work together in a way that will help you as a runner. Mm, interesting. So, you know, you, you were mentioning a few minutes ago that you, you really pare down the training to around 35 miles a week, or at least you said that that's kind of where you start to see some diminishing returns. Now, when you ran those, like the 308 marathon, were you only running 35 miles a week? I I typically don't run a whole lot more than that. I think I top out usually in my heavier training um, weeks at 50 miles, Mm -hmm. and that surprises people sometimes. I remember I gave a seminar not too long ago when I talked about that. You could run a great marathon, a personal best, on less than 40 miles a week. I remember there's one woman sitting in uh, one of the front rows just looking at me, shaking her head, no way. <laughs> and I laughed. I said, well, you know, this is not the end of the story, though. There's a lot of other work to do. So we'll see at the end if you still disagree with me. And by the end of the talk, she kind of grudgingly at least understood and, and agreed with the concept of, of not committing to doing it herself. Um, but yes, that's right. I, I believe in very targeted runs. I found when I did a lot of running, at least for me, and I found for a lot of other people who do high mileage, a lot of their workouts don't target their specific goals. Mm-hmm. A big part of what small marathon training is about um, 
and I teach a course at a local university here on, on running. And I try and impart this this concept out with my students. If they get nothing else from the class, if people get nothing else from the book, they should at least get this. Be very purposeful in your training. I tell folks that every workout that they do should have some kind of target that moves them closer to their overall goal. If they cannot articulate what that workout does to move them closer to their goal, it's not clear to me why they should be doing that workout. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing just an easy six-mile run or an easy eight-mile run, just to boost up your weekly mileage. I'm not sure what that does for you if your goal is to do a Boston qualifying marathon. Mm-hmm. Now, if you tell me that you're doing, you know, speed work and building on what you've done over the past month and preparing for what you're doing in the coming workouts by hitting certain targeted times on the track, that makes sense. If you tell me that you're doing a long endurance run, building, you know, an extra two miles onto what you achieved in your last long run from the week before and preparing for your 20 miler in, you know, three weeks, that makes sense. If you tell me you're doing a tempo run to uh, acclimate your, your, uh, neural system to the kind of movement and late turnover you need to do to keep at your race pace, your target race pace, that makes sense. So I believe in very targeted workouts. And those three kind of workouts, the endurance building workout, the speed workout, the tempo run workout, I believe are the core of a good training program. So if you have three solid days of running a week mm-hmm. and you do the other cross train, strength training, now you've got a very purposeful training plan. And following that will, will really help you get to your goals with a, a lowered risk of injury. So by doing that cross training, on your other days, you're you're basically still keeping up your cardiovascular fitness, and you think that transfers over into your running? Absolutely. Yeah, the research shows that um, cycling will actually have a direct impact on on your improvement as a runner. So if you keep up with your cycling, not only does it does it help relieve stress on your body caused by you know piling on miles, but it actually makes you a better runner, which makes sense as as you know we continue to talk about this because you're working other muscle groups that will help you in your running, mm-hmm. so your quadriceps, you know some of your stable muscles, still working your hip flexors, for example. Um, and of course, in terms of your cardiovascular system, your heart doesn't care really what kind of exercise you're doing as long as it's this kind of workout that will tax your body appropriately so you get that response where your cardiovascular system improves. So you can continue to build the engine. You can work these other muscle groups. You can continue to actually do a fair load of training and cross-training that you would not be able to accomplish if you were only running. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say I was doing a long run one weekend. Typically, say it's an 18-mile or 20-mile run. In most training programs, usually you would take kind of a lower volume week for the following week, and then your next long run might be two weeks after, right? So in that off week, maybe you would do a 12-mile or 10-mile run, something like that. Many training programs are built like that. Mm -hmm. If you're cross-training, you don't really have to do that step back. So uh, as I talk about in smart marathon training, you might do an 18-miler, then a long, long ride, say a 60 to 80-mile training ride, which is a long day in the saddle, but won't beat you up and tire you out the way a long run will, and you'll still be fresh for the next one. So in a way, it's like sneaking in extra training in a way that your body can acclimate to and respond to. So the overall impact is not just to substitute running, but to really move you forward, move you close to your goal. Okay. And one of the things that you focus on, it sounds like, is avoiding overtraining and avoiding burnout. And, you know, that's something that I've dealt with in the past is sometimes if I try to do, say, three quality workouts per week, I'll feel a little bit burnt out the next week or a little bit tired out. How do you avoid that with the people that you're working with? You know, and that's so important. I'm glad that you mentioned that, Aaron, because people sometimes think that feeling burnt out is just kind of like a, a mental lap, 
that, you know, you just need to toughen up. But really, it's the first stage of your body telling you that you're wearing down. Quite often, you know, people who feel burnt out quickly follow with an injury if they don't change something about that program. So feeling kind of worn out, feeling unenthusiastic, feeling kind of tired, feeling lethargic in your workouts in an unusual kind of way. I mean, not just having an off day. Anyone can have an off day. But if you're really dreading that workout or you're just feeling totally unmotivated, that's usually an indicator that you're pushing a little bit too much and that your body really wants to take a break or do something a little different. Mm-hmm. I tell folks that being injured is actually a message from your body, right? You know, we don't like it, but it's a very inarticulate way of your body telling you, I didn't respond well to something you just did to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to change this program in a way that I can appropriately handle. Um, so being able to do different things keeps you mentally more engaged, gives your body a different approach to things, which will help keep it fresh and give it something that it could, it could respond well to and keep you from being injured. Mm-hmm. So by switching up the modes, by providing, you know, constantly different stimulus, we keep things fresh for our bodies um, and then for our minds. And changing that stimulus, whether it's running and cycling and strength training, keeps the body to some degree guessing, which mm-hmm. means it keeps giving it something to adapt to, to respond to and to improve by and makes it more fun, I think. Okay. Now, what about technique? Um, we've heard a lot of lately in the past couple of years about uh, running footwear and technique and how um, more minimal shoes might help. What's your take on that? Well, that's such a hot topic. People love talking about this, and, and I do too. And, and I appreciate the fact that it's become such a hot topic. I really like that, you know, running form, mechanics, um, foot strike, uh, proper footwear has become such an important part of the discussion among runners because I think it really is important. So the fact that there's an awareness of it is something I love. Um, you hear lots of different things. My focus generally is on is on proper running form. And if you have proper running form, I don't believe personally that what you wear is as crucial. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. And I know that a lot of people out there have had great success with different kinds of, of footwear, barefoot running, minimal shoe running. And I appreciate that. But while I think it's harder to run in a, incorrectly in minimal shoes or barefoot, it does not mean that if you don't wear minimal support shoes or if you don't run barefoot, you're inherently doing something wrong. Um, because the truth of it is that if you run correctly, if you have something approaching the right leg turnover and the proper foot strike, then it's less likely that you'll get hurt. Getting hurt and running usually has so much to do with your impact and how hard you, you strike. Mm-hmm. And that's tied in with a bunch of different things, including your vertical displacement, how high you go, um, which is also tied in with how long your stride is, which in turn is tied in with how many steps you take. Right? So the magic number in running, and you may have heard this, is about a 180 steps per minute. And and runners all across the board, all different distances at the elite level come quite close to that. And that's a higher turnover rate than many of us are used to. And if you take shorter, quicker steps, you won't use a, a significantly higher degree of, of energy with that, but you will have more opportunity to push off. So your speed can be increased, but you also won't heel strike. You won't, you know, jump up in the air and then come down harder. So the result will be that you'll be less likely to be injured. So I focus so much more on making sure that you, you know, land center foot. I won't say midfoot strike because you don't actually land on your arch, but that you don't heel strike, that you land, you know, center foot, and you do that by not overstriding, by taking short, quick steps, by trying to get that close to that 180 steps per minute, late turnover. And if you can do that, if you can take short, quick steps and run quietly, not slap the ground hard, not make a lot of noise, but focus on trying to run quietly, then what you wear on your feet, I believe, is really less important. Um, there might be some folks who disagree, but I think generally this holds true, and I think most exercise physiologists uh, agree with this approach. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of a flavor of what uh, a program of yours might be like for someone, say, training 
for a marathon or, or a half marathon. Um, because I think maybe if you're a newer runner or even an experienced runner, you might be someone who just goes out and runs the same course maybe every day. And then on the weekend, you do a long run or something like that. So how would your training program, what, what kind of flavor would you give to someone who's used to just kind of doing the same thing every day? Running, yeah. Well, you know, I, I just uh, came from having some having a nice dinner with my family. So I'm, I'm going to draw an analogy. I tend to think in analogies. I'm going to ask athletes to put together a training plan. Think of their training plan the way you would put together a meal, right? Ideally, if you put together a healthy meal, you're going to make sure that you cover a number of different food groups. Right? You're going to think of it in terms of macronutrients. So, you know, what's my protein? What's my carb? Um, do I have some, you know, appropriate fat, you know, on, on the plate? Do I, have, do I have vegetables? Do I have some kind of grain? Do I have, you know whatever it might be. You want a range of things and make sure you get all of that. You may love, you know, pasta, but if all there is is just noodles on your plate, that's not a particularly healthy meal. So I look at training the same way that we have specific different needs in training um, that we need to uh, to meet in order to create a healthy, strong body as runners, but also really just as athletes. And the way I think of my approach as being not just about creating a better runner or a healthier runner, more injury-resistant runner, but in a way creating a more overall healthy person who can then do whatever they want to do, whether it's running or mountain climbing or, or what have you. So think of your training program being the same way. So you have endurance building needs. Are you working your body appropriately to build endurance? You have speed needs if you have a race goal, okay? Are you incorporating specific workouts to build your speed to meet that goal? Um, you also have strength needs, and the need to do that has to do with making sure that you have bone density, that you become more resistant to stress fractures, right? That you have um, balance in your different muscle groups, as we've talked about here. So your body is able to move through different planes of motion while you're running or doing whatever you might do and still maintain form and strength. And are you putting that onto your plate? So when you put together a training program and what you'll see in, in smart marathon training, you're really focused on making sure that you've got balance in all these different needs, just like you would put a meal together. So we talked about the three different kinds of run workouts that you may want to incorporate. Your endurance building run, your tempo run for your race pace, your speed work to build power and strength and speed. Um, we talked about building strength and in small marathon training, I talked about how we incorporate balance work um, to strengthen your appropriate reception system, that is your body's ability to monitor itself in space as it moves to make you more stable as a runner. Um, different kinds of functional strength movements to increase your body's uh, balance and strength and building core strength so your foundation for your movement is strong. And of course, the third aspect of this we've talked about is cross training to incorporate different kinds of of endurance building training that will supplement running and really build on that. So if you add these different pieces to your plate, doing a little bit of that every week, I think you'll produce a better runner. Now, the, the way in which all these percentages add up so we don't, you know, work, so we don't exercise 25 hours a day, none of us can afford to do that in, for so many reasons. Um, but doing it in a way that's smart, that's purposeful, where each of these needs are met, then you come out with a training program that probably does not have any greater volume of training than most of us are doing, but it's more targeted. So say a typical week in my program might be three days of running, perhaps add a fourth day if you'd like, um, two days of, of cross training, and two days added in as well, two workouts added in as well. Some of these are both on the same day. Um, a short strength training program. And a lot of people don't like to spend a lot of time in the gym. I totally get that. We didn't become runners so we could stay indoors. I totally understand. <laughs> um, but with the strength training program, it might be as little as 15 to 20 minutes, just twice a week. And that, if you do it in a very targeted, purposeful way, you'll get all the work done that you need to do. And 
and not spend a lot of time inside the gym and have a real impact on your overall fitness. So that's a little bit of an overview of why we do it the way I recommend and what it would look like. Okay. Well, how about period periodization? A lot of times you'll hear from coaches that, you know, you need to work during what one part of the year on, say, your base training, another part on speed training. Is that true or is this something that you can kind of mix in throughout the year? Right. Well, that, that that's a great question. It really depends on kind of what your individual goals are, um, what, you, what your body can acclimate to, um, what your training plan is, is generally going to look like. Um, you could you could really incorporate in different ways. And what you're describing actually is almost you could separate into two, two different ways. Within a, a given training cycle, you could periodize it. So a typical training program might look like a three-week buildup and then a step-back week where you reduce the volume and give your body a little bit more of a chance to heal. And then another, another three-week cycle of increased workload and then a step-back. And maybe a third cycle as you near your marathon target and then the taper. Um, so periodization can occur within the within the uh, a training cycle. In terms of breaking it down to you know just the base building and the strength training, um, I kind of I mean I do agree with some of that as well. And we could talk about seasonality as too, being in season with your training and off season. Small marathon training is generally geared not to, to beginners, but people who've been doing some racing. Really, Aaron, much like yourself, um, someone who has run marathons, uh, perhaps has a goal in mind, um, or perhaps is looking to overcome some injury history. So we're talking some people already have a base of running. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone who's brand new to running, building a base would be the first thing. Just fine. I do believe that from the very beginning, you should do other kinds of, of training as well, build your core. Um, but, you know, not to worry about speed work. Not to worry. That would just come naturally as you build on the miles anyway as a beginner. Um, but once you reach that level of being a little bit of a journeyman runner, then you want to kind of plan your program different ways. And with the, the base building versus speed in terms of where you put that in the season, different coaches will give you different advice in terms of the order of that. Some coaches like to front load the speed and then add in some endurance building. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to tackle both of those, you know, at the same time as we build, assuming that you've got an initial base, you know, to start with. Okay. Um, I also believe in an off-season, though. I, I think that's nice to just tailor this stuff back. I don't think we should be doing this kind of targeted training year-round. Most people kind of, as you've talked about, start burning out on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Jeff, tell me a little bit about what you've been up to this year with your marathons uh, and marathon training and what you got coming up in the future. Uh, well, well, thanks. Um, you know, always looking for uh, some kind of challenges. Um, I continue to, to do marathoning. I've, um, I've got, well, my big project now is I've got, well, my family, I've got a little boy, so that's a, a marathon of a whole different kind. For people oh, congratulations. No, thanks. Uh, they, people understand that. Um, so we and I work around that. Um, I met my goal of uh, doing at least one marathon in each state. Um, and as you, you mentioned, I think in the intro, racing around the world has been, has been important to me. I've, I've started doing some stage racing, so I uh, did a uh, race in the Rockies, three-day race last year. Um, with my cross-training, I've started incorporating some cycling events in, into it also, and I've really enjoyed the long-distance cycling. So there's a format called Grand Fondo, which is kind of the cycling version of, of marathoning, I guess, where it's a, a long-time competitive event, but you participated to the in it to the extent that you want to challenge yourself. So you have people who are really pushing hard and working very hard and have their time goals, and people are just happy to be there. And, and I, I've enjoyed doing that, and I did one of those uh, just recently. Mm-hmm. I will be participating in the New York City Marathon coming up next month, and I'm looking towards the spring of participating in a relay they have out here in the, the D.C. area where I live called the American Odyssey, which is a format involving uh, a 12-person team covering about 200 miles from uh, from near Gettysburg in Pennsylvania back into D.C. 
So finding lots of different ways to keep challenging, keep it fun, stay engaged. And uh, marathon is always something I'm going to be continuing to come back to. I, I may not run it as, as quite as often as I have in the past. When I was uh, footless and fancy free, I was doing one a month or one every few weeks. And uh, probably those days are gone, but the marathon will always have a, a special meaning for me and I'll always be going back to it. Okay. So, so uh, Jeff, you, you mentioned that you, you would do a marathon every couple of weeks at times. What kind? What would your training be like between those uh, marathons? I, I, it would seem you might have to spend a lot of time recovering. Well, that, that's really interesting. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. You, um, runners have to spend a lot of time, I think, kind of discovering what works for them. I, I'm not the kind of coach to ever tell people that they can't do something or they have to do something. And even with smart marathon training, I tell people this is a recommended approach. I wouldn't say that there are other approaches that cannot work, but this I want to be part of the, the conversation to be a tool that be available to people. So as I started running more and more marathons, there were people who told me that, well, you can't do this. You're going to break down. You're going to fall apart. And I was said, as long as I felt good and I was having a good experience and I wasn't injured and my enthusiasm was there um, and I had the opportunity, this is something I want to do. So it began just, you know, with the spring and a fall marathon. And one spring, I felt really good. So I signed up for another one a month later and went very well. And then it started to grow in it. In my most prolific year, I did uh, 14 marathons in one year. And the way I did it, obviously, is not to do a lot of training between them. So that's, I think, where I began really focusing on doing targeted training. So my time between marathons is focused on, as you said, recovery, a couple of uh, key speed work sessions. I didn't need to do any long runs because that was the marathon, essentially. Um, and just do certain supplemental training, some strength training, and then I was ready to go for the next one. And I would find that over the course of the season, like over the course of the fall, that my, my times in the marathons would get better, and then I'd peak, and then I'd start dropping off, and I'd realize, oh, I should probably take off the month, and I'd, I'd cut back. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I would admit that I probably never achieved my full potential for, for speed this way, that maybe I could have done that one great marathon that would have been my you know my big cloud uh, PR but the truth is I just love the experience so much that as long as I was healthy and enjoying being out there I just want to do marathon after marathon it always seemed like so much fun to me a way to explore a place and meet people and visit a city and um, and I still put up some some decent times even uh, racing so so prolifically yeah Jeff if people are more interested about your approach where can they go to find out more about you well, I would love to people for people to join the conversation and go to my, my website and check out my blog. I'm at uh, www.smartmarathontraining.com. And you can see the postings I've had on there, find out more about the book, and also contact me through there, smartmarathontraining.com. Great. Well, Jeff, it's been great talking with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. All right. Thanks so much. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.